Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up all, Aaron but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sif Pop Writers Room. For the past several years there have been a growing amount of writers for SifPop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sif Pop Writers Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show and I just think that you would too. So check out Sif Pop Writers Room wherever you listen to your podcast and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. And here we go, episode 274 of the Sports Jack podcast. You mean the Dante Bichette episode? Dante! Dante Bichette, big slugger with the Colorado Rockies in 1995, led the National League in both home runs and RBI. Hit 274 home runs in his big league career. Now a very good hitting coach in the Blue Jays organization. He's Dante Bichette. You know, Corey, sometimes Bichette happens. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! We have breaking news, Chuck Freebie. Breaking news, I don't know if you know this yourself, the Chicago Bears are a hard team to watch. I'm aware of that, especially after yesterday. Oh. 21-9 playoff loss to the New Orleans Saints. And the worst play of the game... The Bears decide they're going to run a flea flicker. They had lined Mitch Trubisky up as a receiver in the formation. They run a double reverse. There's Trubisky chucking the ball down the field. Wims is wide open in the end zone. Trubisky drops it right into his lap, and Wims drops it. And that was pretty much the story of the day for the Bears, wasn't it? 
And every sportscaster in America did the exact same tweet, apparently, in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> How do you drop that? Because it literally, uh, it literally, the ball drops from the sky right into where his hands are, and he can't hang them. Mm-mm. So, the Bears end the season, and now the question is, what happens at Hallis Hall? I have put the poll question out on the 46 Sports Twitter page. I'll see what your response is. I haven't had a chance to see the poll yet. Is that at 46 Sports, uh, did you say? At 46 Sports, it should be uh, probably the most recent thing there. Okay. But the poll question is this. Which of these most needs fixing in the offseason for the Bears? Mm. General manager, head coach, offense, defense. And I know that some people have asked, is there a button where I can hit all four? The answer is <laughs> no. Uh, somebody else has chimed in, owner. Uh that's not going to change, so that's not a viable option. Let's look at uh, you look at the team as a, a business, and it all starts at the top, and that's who's the decision maker, and the decisions have been horrible. I'm going to go general manager. And you would have, uh, you would probably be in second place there, right behind the offense. It's interesting that people give this defense a hall pass. Now, the defense did play well yesterday. Uh, despite being banged up, I mean, Manti Teo, who was on the practice squad towards the end of the year, wound up getting the start at linebacker yesterday. And I I love me some Manti Teo, but he's probably a step slow, and I thought that showed at times. But I would agree with you. I think it begins in the general manager's office. I don't think Ryan Pace has really given Matt Nagy a whole lot to work with. And so when people get on Matt Nagy about his play calling and things like that, and while I don't think it was ideal yesterday, I thought the Bears should have taken more shots and downfield and things like that, you have to say, well, what does he really have to work with here? And so I think if if you're going to ask Matt Nagy to be the chef here, uh, the general manager has to give him some groceries to work with. And nice metaphor. Right, right now, I don't think Matt Nagy's got a whole lot to work with in the kitchen. And then the question, of course, is about the offense and and Mitch Trubisky. And a lot of people critical of Mitch Trubisky, and I've been critical of Mitch Trubisky. But the fact of the matter is, he's put up some decent numbers. He he is the reason that this team got to the playoffs um, because he was able to recover from what Nick Foles was doing when Foles was interjected. Now the question is, can you get somebody who is better than Mitch Trubisky or does Mitch Trubisky look this bad because he's on the Bears and what he has to work with? You know, we we tend to focus on the skill positions when we look at an offense. And and you look at the Bears, and they've got Trubisky, and they've got Montgomery, and they've got Allen Robinson. They've got some pieces there. I thought Darnell Mooney had a fairly decent season. But the offensive line remains suspect. And so this takes you back to the general manager. In 2020, when the Bears had their draft, they did not draft a single offensive lineman. Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars were on the practice squad at the beginning of the year. Wound up playing on this team, 
and doing okay when the Bears played teams with losing records. Once again, the Bears' problem is when they play teams with winning records, a.k.a. the good teams in the league, uh, <laughs> they can't win. Mm. You know, maybe that one play you, you kind of opened up with, I mean, Trubisky put it exactly where it needed to be. Yeah. The guy knows how to throw. He just doesn't have anyone to throw it to. That that would be my point. I thought Allen Robinson had a couple of good catches in the game, but obviously if you're a defense, that's the first guy you're going to try to take away from the Bears is Allen Robinson. You're going to put your best cover people on him. Next thing you're going to do is try to stop them from running the ball, and I don't think that uh, Trubisky had a run on the very last drive that was the longest run of the day, and I think it was 12 yards. To me, it boils down to the lines of scrimmage. The Bears aren't bad on the defensive line, but on the offensive line, they've got some work to do, and they need to retool that. Let's take the 30,000-foot view of the playoffs as a whole. What happened over the weekend? Well, the Colts, man, that game was a back and forth with Buffalo, but the Colts just could never get over the top. And I hate to pat myself on the back, but this is exactly what we described to Phillip Rivers on Friday's show, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he's, he's good enough to compete. He's good enough to get you to the playoffs. He's not going to get you to the Super Bowl. And now the question is, is Philip Rivers done? Is he going to retire and go become a high school football coach in South Alabama? Or will he come back to the Colts for one more year? And to me, it's it's the question for the franchise because the franchise is either going to look at one of these quarterbacks coming out in the draft and try to build behind them. That's going to be tough to do when you don't pick until 21st in the first round. The good quarterbacks may be gone by then. Do you try to acquire a quarterback from somebody else? Or do you invite Phillip Rivers back for one more year and hope that there's a quarterback in next year's draft mm. that can help you out? How old is he? He's 38. Which, I mean, when we look at the other quarterbacks still alive in the NFL playoffs, 38 would be like a spring chicken in the NFC because you've got Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady all still playing. Yeah. But but he isn't in that caliber of quarterback. No. Go go coach the Alabama team. I'd say to do that. Yeah, I, and honestly, I think he will. Yeah. I, I think he enjoyed his one season in Indianapolis. I think he's a good guy. I think there's a lot of building blocks there in Indianapolis. You look at that offensive line vis-a-vis the Bears' offensive line. That's a really good offensive line. They've got a running back in Jonathan Taylor who ran for more than 1,000 yards this year. Now, I think the jury is out on T.Y. Hilton. I think he might be on the downbound train on his career for the Colts, but we'll see about that. Defense, I thought, for the Colts played pretty well for the most part this year. Obviously, Buffalo's got a high-powered offense, and you held them to 27 points, so you kept your team in striking distance. The Colts just couldn't make enough plays in that game. So, It wasn't good for either of the regional teams over the weekend. Now, if you want to expand the region to the Cleveland Browns, oh, the Brown faithful are happy today for the first time since 1994. Their team has won a playoff game for the first time since 1969. They have won a road playoff game. They went into that house of horrors known as Pittsburgh, where they have lost every year since 2003 and they beat the hated Steelers 48-37. What a first quarter for the Browns last night. 
They score 28 in the first quarter. They're up 35-7 at halftime, and then they hang on for dear life to win. And now the reward for winning is they have to go play the number one seed, Kansas City, this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. So you asked for the big picture view. We got five out of six of our predictions right on the Yak Friday. The only one we missed on was Cleveland over Pittsburgh. Everything else we nailed. So your games this weekend, let's take a cursory glance at them. We'll delve into them more Friday. The Rams went into Seattle. They beat Dean Korsmo's Seattle Seahawks. I offered him a chance to come into the yak and break things down today. He declined. I think he's still in mourning. But the Rams will go to Green Bay and face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in what will probably be by Saturday a snowy Lambeau field. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. That's the matchup that everybody's relishing this weekend. Tom Brady, 43. Drew Brees, 42. Going head-to-head. Possibly Drew's last game. Possibly Drew's last game. Uh, He's likely going to work in the broadcast booth as soon as he calls a, a career. So that's the NFC. The AFC... Baltimore visits Buffalo. Now, remember, the Bills won their first playoff game since 1996 and beating the Colts. So they'll be playing at home against Baltimore on Saturday night. And then the Sunday afternoon game is Cleveland at Kansas City, Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And, and, you know, Baltimore versus Buffalo, you got a couple playmakers there, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. So if you look at seven of the eight quarterbacks, and and I'm sorry, Jared Goff, I can't put you in this category. Jared Goff is the Rams quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you got some some big-name star power there in the NFL in the playoffs. Kind of really feels like the last of the greats, like you and I grew up with. This and then the work. and then the new breed. The coming new in. breed comes in. You know, actually, that that's really what the the NFC is: the old school guys, mm-hmm. the guys you and I grew up with, and the AFC is the young bucks. That's yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, my son made a comment about that when he stopped by the living room yesterday uh, as the four uh, talking heads during halftime were doing their thing. And he's like, who are they? And I thought, you know what? That is pretty good. Those guys are older. Mm-hmm. Like, I barely remember some of them playing. You got to have this new... So with that said... A new Drew Brees behind a microphone. It, it's interesting that he points that out. Yeah. Because... The NFL tried something different yesterday, didn't they? Yes, they, they did. They went on to Nickelodeon for a broadcast that was very kid-focused in the audience it was trying to attract. It basically was saying, we know there's a lot of kids out there that probably don't know a lot about football. Maybe there's a lot of kids out there that don't have a dad in the house to watch football with. Yeah. But they want to learn about football. They want to at least be able to carry on the conversation when they go to school. And so it was really a broadcast feature focused on teaching the game, you know, uh, a first down. How do you get a first down? What does that mean? Things like that. I love that idea. Teaching the terminology. They broke down what the red zone was, and then they made the end zone the slime zone because it was Nickelodeon. And uh, Josh Eagle, 
did the play-by-play. Nate Burleson, who works for the NFL Network and CBS, did the color. And Nate Burleson went out of his way to drop lots of kids and Nickelodeon references. You know, he tried to explain that Drew Brees and Taysom Hill are like the Keenan and Kel of the New Orleans Saints and and make analogies that way. Um, I actually, I went into it thinking this is kind of stupid and came out of it thinking, no, that was that wasn't a bad idea. And then I've seen... Then I've seen tweets, and this is my favorite one. The NFL, hey, let's get kids engaged by going to where they are and explaining it to them in their terms. Major League Baseball, let's start our World Series games when kids can't watch them and make old guys wear uniforms. (laughs) Nice tweet. Like. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great idea. Great idea. Did did you watch any of that Nickelodeon experience? I actually thought it was a mistake when I first kind of <laughs> glanced at it because I saw the SpongeBob between the uprights and I thought, oh, who did someone accidentally do that or is that an inside joke on a player? Mm-hmm. And then I would find out later, saw some of the highlights this morning, and I, I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea for people like me who still kind of like, okay, why is this happening? Yeah. And, you know, dumb it down a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And you're right. There's a lot of dads that aren't in the house anymore. That's a great line. COVID, I wonder if a lot of people didn't get to play at all their very first football game. Sure. You know, because of, you know, I got a kid sidelined right now that is usually in a, a winter league for basketball. Wouldn't mind seeing something on TV for him. You you, you know? learn by watching, but sometimes yeah. the explanations that we get used to uh, from Jim Nance and Tony Romo are just too above the head of the, yeah. of the casual fan. Totally agree. Well, hopefully that happens again. Well, I I bet it will because I think they had a pretty positive reaction. All comes down to ratings and how many people watched. And, right. You know, maybe some of that feedback will help them go, let's try this again and see how much more we can get out yeah. of it. It won't be this weekend, but nevertheless. No. <laughs> uh, college football crowns its national champion tonight, Corey. Who are you going with? Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide or Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes? I'm going to go with Alabama. Uh, I'm not a fan of Ohio State. I'm not a fan of six games and you get to be in this game. Mm-hmm. I just I, And Alabama is a force to be reckoned with. I find it a difficult game to root for either team. Um, I I don't have ties to either school. Right. Like you, I I was troubled somewhat by Ohio State uh, not having to prove itself as much as some other teams to get in. Now, there's no question they decimated Clemson, and I do think that we probably do have the two best teams going head-to-head here. That said... Uh, let's face it, the the Buckeyes, the rules kept changing for the Buckeyes as the season went on, and I think they were able to exploit that to an extent, and their players are going to have much fresher legs than the Alabama players because they haven't had to play as much this year. I'm not sure it's going to make a difference. I think Alabama, that offensive line, is terrific. I think defensively both teams have holes. I would expect it to be a high-scoring game. I question how healthy the ribs of Justin Fields are after that game against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. So I will take the Crimson Tide, which I believe this would be their sixth title in the last 12 years, 
Nick Saban seventh overall. And we had this question on Countdown to Kickoff, but I, I, I'm not even sure it's a question anymore. I think that he would go down if he were to win the most national championships, especially in this era where there are players galore going all kinds of places, I don't see how you wouldn't say he's the greatest college football coach in history. Wow. Okay. You want to segue into some basketball talk? (laughs) (laughs) So the good news here is that both Notre Dame and IU were playing at the same time the Bears were, so I was spared uh, having to watch a lot of this. And I pretty much followed the Notre Dame game through the eyes of my boy, Tom Noy. So Notre Dame decided to juggle the starting lineup last night, and they started Nick Jogo, who is the grad student uh, from Canada. And they had Dane Goodwin on the bench because Dane Goodwin has been struggling as of late. Trey Wirtz was able to play last night because he was coming back from an injury, but he also started on the bench. So I looked at the starting lineup for the Irish, and I thought, well, this isn't going to work too well. But lo and behold, the Irish come out shooting very well, and they have a seven-point lead at halftime. And then the bottom drops out. Notre Dame shoots two out of 19 in the second half from the field. They wind up losing by 14 to number 19 Virginia Tech, 77-63. And it's the same old story for the Irish. Their 26th consecutive loss to a ranked team. They are winless in the ACC. They are 3-7, and seven, and the Wolves are howling for Mike Bray, but... You know, it's he probably of, can't hear it with his chef's hat over his ears serving them breakfast yesterday. Yeah, you know, and, and this, you know, of so many dangers these days on social media, this is another one where, well, are you taking it seriously enough? If you, you, you can't just be eyes on film 24-7. You do have to try to make things a little enjoyable for the players. It's fine to have some fun, but... Holy cow, it's tough to have fun watching this team because they just shoot themselves in the foot so many times. And he has, we've talked about this before on the show, but it bears repeating. Mike Bray started the year saying, this is Prentice Hub's team. Well, Prentice Hub is not having a good season at all. And it reared its ugly head again last night. Nate Leshesky did have 17 for the Irish. He's about the one guy that's fun to watch on this team. Other than that, they're they're not a whole lot of fun. Meanwhile, Indiana gets a Big Ten road win at Nebraska. They win 84-76, now 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. Rob Finnessy, you can get him off the milk carton now. He had a career-high 18 points. That was the kind of performance they expected to see from Rob Finnessy when they recruited him from McCutcheon High School. And he finally delivered last night. I think A.J. Durham had 17. Trace Jackson Davis, another double-double. Four guys in double figures. Very good balance for IU. Now, you're playing Nebraska. That's the worst team in the Big Ten. Still one on the road. That's impressive. But now we brace ourselves, and we'll talk more about this Wednesday for Indiana and Purdue Thursday night on 103.1 FM. It's a 7 o'clock tip-off. And, of course, 
That is the rivalry that gets everybody in the Hoosier State fired up. Both these teams right around the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue has been on the struggle bus a little bit lately, but came back and got a big win over Michigan State on Friday night, roaring from 17 down to beat the Spartans 55-54. I got out of my high school game Friday night, and I checked Twitter. Tom Izzo was trending for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Do you follow Purdue basketball on Twitter? Yes. Did you happen to see the uh, private plane photo of the team? Yes. And that big old Zach Eby. Can you imagine being on a small plane like that with that guy? Yeah. Up front? Just a big leg all the way down the, uh, <laughs> the row. My goodness. Seven foot four, squeezing himself into one of those little My goodness. private planes. But So Purdue and Indiana should be a fun one on Thursday night on Pulse FM 103.1. Boy, the Bulls. The Bulls. Uh, they are the kings of the... They'd be great in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? They come close, but they don't quite come close enough. So Zach Levine drops 45 last night with seven rebounds and seven assists. The Bulls were hitting three-pointers all over the place against the Clippers, and it still wasn't enough. Kawhi Leonard with 35, and the Clips beat Chicago 130-127. to 127. And after the game, Billy Donovan, the Bulls coach, says, and he's first-year coach with the Bulls. He's got a great track record, first at the University of Florida, then with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Billy Donovan says, this team has given me everything they have, but they don't know yet how to win. They don't know how to close out games and get Ws. And if you look at the Bulls, remember we told you a little while back they had climbed to uh, the 500 mark. Mm -hmm. But they have not been over the 500 mark since March of 2017. And after they climbed to the 500 mark, they lost a heartbreaker to Sacramento They lost a close game to the Lakers, and they lost a close game to the Clippers. Now, they're on a West Coast road trip. Those West Coast road trips, even when they had Michael and Scotty, were always tough for the Bulls because you're a long way from home. You're on the road for a long time. But you got to find ways to win games like yesterday because that was there for the taking for Chicago, and they couldn't get it. You know who's not good right now? The Detroit Pistons. They lost to Utah yesterday, 96-86. The Pistons are 2-8, and eight, and they're going nowhere again. I can't even name a Piston right now. I... Um, name a Piston. That would, that, <laughs> that, there's, there's a good game right yeah, there. Uh, well. uh, why don't you close out with some local news about Penn being number one. In girls' basketball, and the Lady Kingsman decimated St. Joe last Friday night. I believe the final score was 70-33. to 33. Christy Ulrich's team does not back down from anybody. They've got some big games coming up with defending state champ Lawrence North. They'll take on Knox a week from Tuesday. So Penn continues to roll along. Marion is now up to 13th in the coaches' poll, and Washington 19th. That gives the NIC... Three teams in the state's top 20 of girls' basketball, which kind of gives you an idea of where the balance of power is this year in girls' basketball. On the boys' side, Adams is the only team listed in the statewide top 20, but I'm sure that we'll see Marion and St. Joe in the Class 3A poll and probably Westview in the Class 2A poll when the new rankings come out. Over the weekend in high school basketball, we had Riley and Elkhart 
Yes, Blake Wesley has another over 30-point game. He scored 33, but Philip Robles was the star of the game for Riley. He poured in 22, and the Cats were able to hold off Elkhart 67-62. Adams beat Marion on Friday night 50-38, so the Eagles stay undefeated and atop the NIC. In the Northern Lakes Conference, the big stunner was Warsaw. Not that they beat Northridge, but the margin they beat them by. Beat them by about 15. And we'll see Northridge, see if they can bounce back. They've got a game with Riley here on the south side on Tuesday night. And then we'll see them on 46 Friday night when they take on Northwood. Northwood easily handled Wawasee over the weekend. And Aaron Wolf's squad is 8-2 and two on the year. You going to Northwood? We are going to Northridge. Northridge, which is sorry. over in Middlebury. Okay. That's a that's a nice school. Haven't they gotten some upgrades football-wise, right? Football-wise, they've got a brand-new stadium, brand-new baseball stadium as well. Uh, when they when they built the new high school, though, for some reason, they kept the uh, gym where the high school team plays is still in the middle school over oh, there. okay. So that's where that game will be. All right. I think that wraps up all the uh, news for today, Chuck Freebie. Do we have anything for overrated underrated today we were tweeted before we hit the record button i do have one up my sleeve if you don't go ahead def leopard overrated or underrated mm. i it it's not i'm not as much of a metal junkie as some people are mm-hmm. so i would tend to go overrated but that's just a personal feeling for them okay uh i do respect that they they had a Pretty solid run of it from the late 60s to the early 80s. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go underrated. Okay. I would put Pyromania and Hysteria in two of the greatest rock records of all time category. Wow. I wouldn't call them metal, though. I wouldn't call them metal. Okay. What would you call them? Just <clears throat> I classic would call rock? Them like, I, would, I would say a pop rock. Okay. Because those songs all got on the radio. Yeah, they did. Where I worked and, you know, the WLS where we grew up. Um, and they are still at the, I mean, they're, they're at the top of their game. Like they can tour, they sound great. They take care of themselves. Uh, they had sold out Wrigley field this past That's summer. True. And unfortunately that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, they put together quite a late eighties lineup of oh. Motley Crue and poison and, uh, is Joan Jett on there? Yeah, I believe she was. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be a fun night if you're into that kind of music. But I would say underrated. Uh, I love that they've kind of turned around and they take good care of themselves. Well, that yeah, that's a little bit different for groups of that ilk. Yeah, I mean the the '80s were a blur. Oh, <laughs> sure, yeah. those guys. I saw them twice at Notre Dame. They were good. They were really good. All right. I I would, if I were the listener, I would put more stock in Corey's opinion on this one than I would in Chuck's. If you ever get a watch, if, if you're down uh, one of those days where you got nothing to do, there's a great Def Leppard documentary on Amazon Prime, how they made Hysteria, which is their biggest selling record. Mm-hmm. There's some crazy behind the scenes stuff about that. They were so in four years to record, four years. To record a record, wow. year number one, at the end of year number one, it wasn't going well, mm-hmm. and they needed to pay off a couple of people to get out from under that and kind of take it a different direction. It was uh, so much money that their manager said, we have to sell, we have to sell $5 million 
five million albums to to pay wow. that bill. So if you're doing the math on how all that works, we have to sell five million units to take care of these two guys over here and the guy who uh, wrote all the meatloaf records they brought in. Okay, and that didn't work out either. Yeah. So add another two million. You got to sell seven million before the band can start to see any benefit from that record, Woo. which they went on to do. I mean, yeah, we could still, do a quick that, little uh, talk about a little pressure. How many albums of Hysteria did Def Leppard sell? I'm going to say twenty something. Uh, of course, it doesn't give it to me. I'll look that up for a later time. But it's it's through the roof, through the roof. I'm going to throw one at you. Um, that somebody had mentioned to me, somebody of more recent vintage. And I have to admit, I see her, I know who she is, I couldn't name a song. Oh. Alicia Keys. I could probably name them if I heard them. I can hear it in my head. She's pretty talented. She is. Like she's a... a I've, I've seen her host these shows. I've seen her play two different pianos at once. I mean... There's yeah. no question in my mind she's got talent. I think they kick her on like musical genius with her name. Like well, she's she's something. She's got a ton of Grammys. Um, I'd say right down the middle. I'd say she's at where she's supposed to be. I I would lean a little bit towards underrated. And again, just because... And I don't, I don't know if I'm basing a reputation on based on what I see and when she hosts things like the Grammys or stuff like that. Right. But some of the stuff that she is able to do yeah, just blows your mind. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. She knows how to write a song. She knows how to play. She, there, there's some history there. I, I'd have to go back and do another glance at her Wikipedia page because you know that's all true. Well, yes, of course. Yeah, I would say down the middle. I I'd lean with you, a little little underrated. Yeah, but can I name a song right now? I mean, I can hear them, right? But I I don't know the titles of. But then again, I'm not the target demo on. No, nor on am I. No. Nor am I. No. And, and these are the things you have to understand when you listen to Sports Jack. <laughs> yeah. Is not only are you listening to one guy who allegedly knows everything about sports and another one who allegedly knows nothing. But you're listening to two who are in the, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, over 50 bracket. <laughs> over 50, under 60. This feels right. This feels good. Let's wrap this up. Uh, we are both on Twitter at 46sports, at my name is Corey, and, of course, Sports Yak, with not one, but two Ks. Chuck Indeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would always love to close things out by inviting you to contact us Email us, reach out to us on Twitter. Don't text us because I don't need that. But in the meantime, <laughs> until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga Dante Bichette. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. <laughs>